Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies, and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. Most episodes of the podcast also feature segments from the world's most prolific author on entrepreneurship, the author of Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, Surge, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Clockwork, and his newest books, Fix This Next, Mike Michalowicz. On today's episode, we walk you through the five stages of handling a business crisis. Thanks to COVID, every business, large and small, has been dumped into crisis mode. Let's figure out what stage you are in and how you can take deliberate action now to surge and burst past your competition. Episode spoiler, The businesses that are starting to surge and burst are taking this opportunity to serve their customers better in new ways. So when this is airing, we are essentially 90 days into this COVID recession if we count approximately St. Patrick's Day as like the moment in time when things kind of came to a screeching halt in our economy. And you have a great sort of depiction of that in your business crisis trend graphic. And you walk through the stages of shock. Stage two is desperation. Stage three is evaluation. Stage four is deliberate action. Stage five is surge and burst. And I would say that we should be in that surge and burst now. You mean emotionally or as an economy? Uh, as a business owner, ready to make it happen. Yes. I, yes, I, I concur with that. I, I, you know, To me, it's the confluence of two events. There is the macroeconomic shift, like what's going on in the global economy, matched up to, to your point, how is small business responding to it? And so we can start positioning ourselves for it. But that surge moment does, I think, predi- what predicates it is, uh, is the economy shifting. So what I, what's going on right now, my term for it is the great, big, hairy shift. And make sure you add the F in there, shift. Um, because it's big and hairy, and things are, are shifting in extreme ways. And we won't go back to how it was. 
there's going to be an adjustment of some sort. There's going to be um, new needs. So I'll walk us through those five elements, those five stages real quickly, and then I can share what I believe the greatest opportunity is that we can start addressing now. And I saw your head nodding, so I'm going to go with it. So here's what it is. Um, the first step, Danielle, is the uh, shock stage. And what I equate it to is a car accident. Have you ever been in a car accident? Uh, yes. A couple months ago. Oh, damn it. It's, you were? Yeah. How bad? Um, well, the whole side of my car um, was uh, totaled, and uh, oh it was on gosh. Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, did uh, did you sustain any injuries? No, thankfully. Um, no, no. Thankfully, Good. it was just the car. Good. You, I wonder if did you have anyone else in the car with you? Your kids? Yeah, the whole family. So, what you may have experienced is some form of psychological shock. What happens in a car accident is things actually feel like they're slowing down. We uh, get tunnel vision. Our mind. Um, goes into a fight-or-flight mode. It's, a, it's the essence of survival. When there's physical injury, our mind will actually start disconnecting or cause a numbness um, around certain experiences. For example, we will forget certain things that happened or our mind won't allow us to feel the pain. So some people are in a car accident and they break a bone uh, in their arm. They actually don't even feel that it's broken because they're in shock. What it is is the mind is effectively overstimulated and can't process it all. So that broken bone, that pain you feel doesn't happen for minutes or hours, in some unique circumstances, days later. Well, there's what's called mass psychological shock. Mass psychology is the hurting effect of humanity. And what we do is we, we replicate each other's behavior. So there's a shock, there's a trigger moment, in this case, COVID, and we respond in disbelief, like, this can't be real. Are you kidding me? I'm not gonna do anything. Oh my God, everyone's gonna die. And uh, I'm not discounting that. I mean, this is a serious situation. What I'm trying to explain is that our mind starts going numb to certain things. We actually disregard, as business owners, parts or all elements of our business. You probably saw when, uh, when this became serious around March 15th that businesses started to shutter and close their doors, even before there was a call or a decree that it shut down because business owners didn't know what to do. We froze up. Then the law comes out saying you can't have gatherings. Now people are like, ah, oh, I guess I'm not going to do anything. And they they didn't contemplate or, or consider their next move. They just stopped. And I believe the mass psychological effect usually goes in these three-month periods, like these 90-day periods. Some people went through it in 10 seconds. They were done. They're like, okay, this is insane. It's happening, but I'm, I'm dealing with it. Let's roll. I'm not going to participate in any recession. Let's crush it. Other people are still sitting there going, blah, 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 blah. what happened? And they're not doing anything. The vast majority get through it in thirty uh, in ninety days, and, and so as we're broadcasting this, that's where we are. What happens in the next stage is desperation. Desperation is an over response, a hyper response to different stimulus. So we saw a toilet paper. Like some some guy somewhere is like, oh my god, there's there's no toilet paper, um, or or I need an extra roll of toilet paper. And uh, in the background, you hear the COVID crisis. Uh, playing in the news and and someone observing that guy and like oh my gosh I, I think I should get some extra toilet paper too clearly that guy's getting toilet paper because of COVID I need to do too and this woman's like oh my god I, I need toilet paper because everyone needs toilet paper because of COVID we start replicating the behavior and it becomes a stampeding effect 
and so people are like, oh my gosh, I can't get toilet paper. Oh my gosh, there's people walking out with hordes of toilet paper. Oh my gosh, there's a COVID crisis. I gotta get toilet paper. And they went to the next store and they cleaned it out. And they started calling their friends saying, where do you get toilet paper? And they're saying, why are you asking? And it's absurd. There was no correlation. No one said like, you know, you have COVID, you're, you're gonna, you know, eat toilet paper or something like that. Like you have to live off toilet paper now. There, there, there was no logic behind it. But there was this hurting effect, and that's what desperation is. We see it in business with the the in the U.S. at least with the PPP loans. Businesses saying, "I got to take that loan without consideration why." They're just saying, "Get the money, get the toilet paper." Do you really need it? Well, who cares? It's 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 out there. It's free money, which it isn't. Um, a loan is a loan. Um, there may be a grant that may be refunded. There's uh, certain elements of it if you comply, and it's changing, and there's always different elements. But the consideration that's not being made is. Do I even need this in the first place? Is it fiscally responsible for my business? I'm not saying a loan's a bad thing. I'm saying a loan without consideration is a very bad thing. That's desperation. And we're going to see more of it, uh, these different crises that spin out from this. Then um, we're going to move on to the evaluation phase. The evaluation phase is where you are thoughtful and considerate of what's going on. But there's risk here. Some businesses to stay in that consideration into perpetuity. It's called analysis paralysis, where you just keep on exploring what you're doing and what's working, what's not, but not taking action on it. You'll see in, in that diagram in front of you um, that you have, and I know the podcast listeners can download it. So if you, if you download it, what you can see is we go into a trough state. Businesses will go out of business because they're in shock and do nothing. Businesses will go out of business because they're doing desperate responses that are inappropriate to sustain the business. Businesses will also go out of business by evaluating but not taking action. We start the climb out of this when businesses start taking action. Deliberate action is where you've now identified what to do and you actually do it. It's doing the things that serve your business. It's having the courage of jettisoning, jettisoning, whatever that word works, ditching the things that aren't working. It's about selective and taking action upon it. You know, do more of what's what's working, do less of what's not. That positions you for the surge. And the surge is the confluence of the recovering economy. What's happened throughout this entire arc is you see a decrease in supply. So you can see me like with my hands here, our listeners can't, but supply is decreasing. That's us and our competition. So supply is decreasing. Demand remains. Now, demand remains in what's called a pent-up stage, meaning it may be deactivated demand. Consumers say, I don't know if I should buy. I don't know if I can afford to. So there's a slowdown in active demand, but the demand remains, meaning customers will be reactivated at a certain point. Supply goes bye-bye permanently. This causes a gap. At a surge point, demand is reactivated. So now there's increasing demand uh, at a rapid incline, and there is reduced supply. And to refuel supply, it's first the vendors who can respond the fastest that will grab up most of that demand. Other small businesses will start to spin up, but it'll take them time. So to your point, we have a choice, and we got to start acting on it now. We have a choice to position ourselves for that surge moment. And the businesses that can scale during that demand spike are the ones who become the new Googles uh, of their world when this returns. To do it, starting today, start recruiting. That's different than hiring, by the way. Hiring is where you actually bring someone on board. Recruiting is where you start seeking them out and positioning them for hiring. Start recruiting personnel. Start recruiting technology. Like, what tools will you need? Uh, start uh, reserving or continue to reserve your cash. Cash becomes absolutely a powerful mechanism here. Maintain those profit percentages, but even build a CapEx account or some kind of expenditure account beyond the OpEx for the ongoing operations. Can you start squirreling away money? Because then 
when this opportunity presents itself, you have the people, the technology, and the cash to fuel forward and gobble up a lot of opportunity. That's, that's how this crisis management works. Mike has put together a great graphic that shows these five stages on what he has dubbed the business crisis trend. And you can find this graphic on our website, ProfitFirstNation.com, and click on Resources. So without the aid of the graphic, let's do a quick recap for you, my entrepreneurial friend. Think of the first three stages as going downhill, steep and fast. We all experience stage number one, the state of shock when, for the majority of this country, we were shut down by state stay-at-home orders. This stage of shock starts the downward trajectory. Then we continued the downward slide with stage number two, the state of desperation. Getting your hands on toilet paper may be ranked in your top three moments of desperation. And to alleviate the desperation, the government came out with PPP loans. Many organizations jumped on the bandwagon of applying for PPP loans, including huge businesses like the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, and Shake Shack, to name a few. Cash is king and everyone was doing a land grab on cash. Even companies that didn't need the PPP money did the cash grab because of the underlying psychology behind stage two of desperation. When everyone was in this frenzied state, the herds were rushing. Now, some of the large publicly traded and privately owned companies like the Lakers, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, and Shake Shack ended up returning their PPP money almost as fast as they applied for it. Their initial actions prove the point, though, that desperate times call for desperate measures. When faced with desperation, it is critical to step aside from the herd mentality Take time to pause at stage three, the evaluation stage. The evaluation stage is where we challenge you to start thinking like a maverick. How can you break away from the crowd starting now? Going downhill, you pick up speed. So it's critical to stop, pause, assess the terrain below before proceeding. You do not have to take the same path as the herd. Thanks to Profit First, our businesses have cash reserves, meaning we have our own internally funded line of credit. Yes, of course, it was tempting to jump on the PPP bandwagon. It's free money, right? Well, we hit the pause button to evaluate the situation. My husband and I had about a 10-minute conversation on the topic and decided there were way too many other small businesses that needed the money more than us. And at that moment, we decided to take a new path away from the herd. When you hit the evaluation stage, this is where you stop digging your grave. This is your bottom point on the downward trajectory. How quickly you get to this point is critical. Ideally, you want to get through the stages of shock and desperation as quickly as possible to minimize negative impact and collateral damage. The faster you stop on that downward, following the herd trajectory, 
the better positioned you are to evaluate. After the evaluation phase, you start the upward trajectory of taking deliberate action. Stage four is where you start to climb back up. For our construction material supply business, our deliberate action was to accelerate what we have dubbed Supply Patriot 2.0. We have the cash and can make some strategic investments that are either not on the radar of our competitors or they lack the cash reserves to facilitate at this time for themselves. The deliberate actions we are taking are, number one, implementing online ordering for our customers. Number two, allowing our customers to pay via ACH as part of our online customer portal implementation. Number three, eliminating less profitable material categories. And number four, saying adios to no bueno and bad Pareto customers. We are holding our ground on not serving the customers who have been high maintenance or difficult to collect from. Are some of these no bueno and bad Pareto customers taking our news to them well? No, we've had to tell some people uh, a record six times. But to protect our company, remain a viable employer for our employees and strengthen our cash flow by shedding our accounts receivable aging report of our slowest paying customers, we have to take deliberate action. For every single business in America, small businesses and large businesses, COVID has turned business as usual upside down. What deliberate actions are you taking now in your business that will move you in an upward trajectory? As we have seen, businesses in the deliberate action stage are cutting their offerings, shedding what has been their least profitable offerings or their least popular offerings. Even big corporations are embracing and taking deliberate action. Some grocery stores now only offer four choices of toilet paper. A few months ago, before COVID, these stores typically carried about 40 varieties. Who knew and who needs 40 varieties of toilet paper? Harley-Davidson has already made permanent cuts and eliminated some models from its motorcycle lineup. Outback Steakhouse has stripped roughly 40% of its menu, and they are setting whether customers even care. And they may even drop some items for good after COVID. Don't worry, I think the Bloomin' Onion is going to outlast COVID on the menu. Lay's is permanently dropping their lower sodium potato chips and several other oddball varieties because demand for these particular products never rivaled the classics including the obviously perfectly salted classic Lay's potato chips. Less is more. Keep it simple. These companies' deliberate actions are to cut the fluff, get rid of the offerings that are not popular. Focus on your sweet spots, your most profitable offerings, and most profitable customers. In our business, we are exiting some categories of material supply as part of Supply Patriot 2.0, because we are taking deliberate action to walk away from the tedious and less profitable material subcategories. And after stage number four of taking deliberate action, you move to stage number five, the surge and burst. Once you have your new game plan, 
This is the stage where you run hard and fast uphill because you're strong and because you can and you want to distance yourself from your competition. For your competitors who may still be in shock or hemming and hawing still in the evaluation phase, now is your opportunity to surge and burst past your competitors. We are on the eve of surging and bursting because we have determined four deliberate actions we have dubbed Supply Patriot 2.0, and we are implementing on that game plan. Hopefully, by walking you through the five stages, we have you now at stage four, taking deliberate action, which will require implementing change during change. Now, for me, I love change because I love to grow and constantly improve upon anything and everything. I am such a nerd and a D on disc. So how I think and operate as a D sadly only represents 10% of the population. But as your guide, I fully recognize that change is scary and uncomfortable, but necessary. And the window for change is wide open right now. Would you agree, Mike? Yeah, I agree, right? So we have a window of time for some businesses we have a massive window of opportunity because client needs are shifting. There, there's a you know, new normal gets kicked around a lot. I kind of like it, meaning there's new expectations. There's a great, hairy shift, and therefore, we can leverage it. We actually have more leeway. People are more forgiving when you introduce change during change. So, you know, new Coke came out um, – Remember, do you remember the release of New Coke? Yeah. Like what an abomination that was. I wonder if New Coke came out today and said, hey, we've been working on this recipe. Um, this is our grand test now. I wonder if people would be more forgiving of change because so much is changing. You know, everything was hunky-dory back when New Coke came out. And all of a sudden it's New Coke. It's like, what the F are you doing? I want my old Coke. I want things how they always have been. I wonder if with this change that's afoot and marketed much better, obviously, I wonder if, if it would be received better. Uh, I think people are more forgiving when their needs are changing, when they, they have new desires. I don't know if that was a great analogy with New Coke. It could fail just as badly that I think about it. But I really do think there's an opportunity to present ourselves in, in a new way. And uh, I'll tell you how to do it. it it's by asking. Simply asking your customers, how can I serve you now? What's the new, the new way I can serve you? And by asking, some people will give you feedback. I, I think it's also uh, actively acknowledging that you can't understand what your customer's experiencing. I'll tell you, this, I, I got this mail, this piece of mail from Chevy. I'm, I'm, just, I'm reeling on Chevy. Uh, I own a Chevy. And it's fine. You know, it's fine. It's a fine car. I uh, I get this letter from them, and it's like I consider it a diatribe. It was fifteen <laughs> paragraphs long, and the opening note says, "We're all in this together." That is the greatest bullshit uh. flag. I know, right? I just saw you roll your eyes. Oh, we're all in this together. Okay, now that you've placated me, what's you know, Mister Opportunistic? What are you going to sell me? And I just sat back as this letter assaulted me with how I need to get an oil change. You know, so I can travel from infected Bootin to infected town next door. Like, it's just ridiculous. Um, another company 
It was actually MetLife who did it. Um, I got a letter from MetLife. I'm really, I don't know much about MetLife. I have my auto insurance. I didn't even know they did auto insurance until recently. I have my auto insurance with them. They said in their opening letter, um, we hope this letter finds you well, and we cannot begin to comprehend how this is affecting you. We simply want you to know we're wishing you well. And I'm like, yes, exactly. You can't comprehend. Thank you for your good wishes. And then the next line went on. It said, uh, we're still here to serve you. So if you need us, um, we're available 24 by 7. We also want you to know that um, we've given you a two-month reduction in insurance costs because you, just like all our customers, are traveling a lot less now. Please be well. So in in one in two paragraphs, they they acknowledge they can't understand what I'm experiencing. They did something of service to me. They told me they're still open for business. And they wish me well. Kudos, MetLife. I love that. And I think that's what we need to do too, is acknowledge what we can't understand by saying we can't understand or comprehend. Point out, we're still here if you need me, but if you don't, I understand. And if there's a new way I can serve you, I don't know what it is. I would love your critical feedback. And I think that's the way to present ourselves. Yes, this is exactly what we did in our evaluation stage. Even though in California, construction was declared an essential business, our company, our clients, and our vendors moved their employees to work from home status. Some transitioned well, some struggled, and some companies furloughed staff, so adjustments were all over the landscape. And the post office, the U.S. Postal Service, got real sucky. We mailed checks to our manufacturers and our customers mailed checks to us. And the checks were really in the mail for way too long. Some even got lost and had to be reissued. We even ponied up for priority mail with tracking. And mail that should have been delivered in one to two days was taking nine days on priority mail. And despite the lifting of stay-at-home orders, many of our customers continue to keep their back office staff working from home. So that is why we are taking deliberate action to implement an online customer payment portal as part of our Supply Patriot 2.0. By offering our clients the convenience of paying via ACH, we will eliminate the manual, tedious tasks of cutting the physical check, obtaining signatures, that has proven to be especially challenging when everyone is working from their own homes. Furthermore, we have circumvented the uselessness of the post office, and we are not going to incur additional expenses by going the FedEx or UPS overnight route. In construction, payments need to be received and releases need to be signed in order for the owner to release more funding. Not to bore you, but it's mechanics lien law that drives the AR and AP in construction. If there are delays in April's outstanding invoices, then getting the release signed is also delayed because you have not received April's payment, and this further stymies the payment owner funding wheel because until there's proof April has been paid and received by all the subs and vendors via the signed releases, the owner and the bank is not releasing May dollars. By cutting out the post office and letting our customers pay via ACH saves everyone time and money. It took me less than 30 minutes to figure this out. I downloaded our prior two months deposits to our AP account. We deposit our accounts receivable to our accounts payable account so that we can keep our cost of goods 
cash flowing. I sorted this download by dollar of value. We had 197 deposits that would meet the criteria for our clients to pay us via ACH. I then proceeded to apply the corresponding ACH fees based on the individual deposit amounts. Yes, it will cost us $15 per ACH payment for a payment that is between $75,000 to $100,000. But only eight deposits in the prior two months of 197 deposits fell into that category. When I completed the analysis in less than 30 minutes, it would have cost us $577.50 in ACH processing fees at an average fee of $2.93 per ACH deposit, significantly less than priority mail costs or FedEx for our customers. Plus, the time our accounting department is saving by not physically touching the checks and completing remote deposit protocols, that is over $1,000 in savings over two months, which extrapolates to $6,000 per year in labor savings. By making changes to benefit our customers, we have evaluated our service, helped expedite our ability to receive payment, and can provide a release to our customers faster so that they can get their next payments from the owner without undue delay. Additionally, we have determined that we are going to pay our vendors via ACH going forward as well. And despite paying a batch processing fee, we will cut our expenses associated with making traditional payments to our manufacturers by 75%, because the need to overnight payments via priority mail or FedEx will be effectively eliminated, not to mention the time to prepare such shipments. Do not be afraid of high fees. Do an analysis. What sounded like $15 on the high side per transaction actually averages to $2.93 for our customers to pay us faster and more efficiently via ACH. This is a big change, and we are making other big changes. Only one of our competitors, only one, offers online ordering. We are bringing construction into the 21st century in terms of technology by implementing online ordering for our customers. We are making big, hairy shifts, taking the opportunity to make change at a time when everyone has been forced to accept all sorts of changes in their personal and business lives. What can you change for the betterment of serving your customers? What can you change for the betterment of serving your customers? What has become a challenge for your customers that you can improve upon going forward? What has become a challenge for your customers that you can prove upon going forward? Is it the way you receive and send payments? Is narrowing down your offering so you can maximize cash flow and focus on keeping your most profitable offerings and items in greatest demand in stock? Your method of delivery. How can you improve the delivery of your offerings? What has changed for the worse for your customers and how can you make it better? Pick something and with a quick dollars and cents analysis, you can leap ahead of your competition. Let's evaluate, take deliberate action, and prepare to surge and burst past your competition 
because time is of the essence. I know I have said this before on a recent episode, but I will repeat everything as many times as I have to for you to embrace it. It is go time, entrepreneurial friends. It is go time. For this episode's show notes and full transcription, please visit ProfitFirstNation.com. Additionally, Profit First professionals have been going through special mastery level training with Mike as part of what Mike has coined recession response. If you would like to work directly with a certified Profit First professional bookkeeper, accountant, or coach to make sure that you're doing Profit First right and to help you bring more clarity and understanding to your financials, plus strategize on your business's unique recession response, then go to ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact where you will be able to connect with a certified Profit First professional. Cheers to another profitable day, entrepreneurial friend. Profit First Nation's website, social media accounts, and related podcasts are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.